This is the word of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 33. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of, of God. <clears throat> do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Hey, what's up, South Point? My name's Kenny. I'm going to start right off the bat with saying something that's going to offend everybody in here. You ready? Did it work? Were you offended that I thought you'd get offended so easy? I mean, according to, some, according to some recent polls, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat, Republican, Michigan fan, Michigan State fan, Independent, doesn't matter. We all agree that people get offended way too early, way too easily, don't we? I mean, I get really offended when people think I get offended. You know what really offends me? When people don't agree with me. I like to pretend that I'm so spiritually advanced that I can just completely understand and believe that disagreements, discourse, and even diversity brings about wisdom, right, when we have those things. But I don't care what anybody else says. I will stand here on this stage and tell you flat out that I believe Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Blizzard deserves their own food group. <laughs> People that disagree with that are absolutely nuts. All of them are. And I still believe that tea was not meant for human consumption, but coffee was. Anybody that drinks tea, it's like drinking water dirt. It offends me. I, I'm joking, kind of, right? But do you get a little offended when people disagree with you? And it's funny how you can be talking about the most innocent things in the world, right? You can be talking about the most meaningless things. And as soon as somebody disagrees with us, what do we do? We get offended, right? And for parents, it's even worse. I mean, it's one thing to have a disagreement and, and to have somebody disagree with you that's a grown adult, that's mature, that has experience. But it's a whole different ballgame when your kids disagree with you, isn't it? When your nine-year-old, who used to think you know everything, says, Dad, you're wrong. Or your 12-year-old who used to think you were the coolest thing in the world all of a sudden says, Dad, that rule is dumb. And I don't care how mature you are, you can pretend that doesn't bother you, but there's that little thing inside of each and every one of us that takes us to DEFCON 4 when our kids call us out, right? Unfortunately, when we get offended, what happens? Most times we, we jump on the offense, right? We become offensive to other people. If you offend me, all of a sudden that gives me the right to offend you, right? It's just who I am. That's just me. That's just... It's just the way I was made. Wait, is that okay? I mean, do we have to deal with it? Is it okay to just be me if just being me is offensive? Do you ever struggle with this? I know a lot of us do. I struggle with it too. You're not alone. This has been happening since the beginning of time, right? If you're first time here, we're glad you're here. You picked a great time to come. I want to say thanks for coming. And I hope I don't offend you, but if I do, just know that it's not going to be intentional. But the one thing I, I'll tell you is we ain't afraid to say that we love Jesus, we will follow him, and, and, and we trust in him completely. So what we're going to do is we're going to open, open God's word. 
and we're going to see if Jesus can help us in the midst of all this offensiveness. You know, we're, the, we're nearing the end of this Yield series where, where Paul takes this, this church that he, that he started in Corinth, and he writes them this letter to try to help them with some, some issues they're having. And in this section, he says that all Christians are free to do just about anything. However, sometimes we need to yield those freedoms, right? We should yield it when it comes to harming others. We should yield those freedoms when it comes to bringing other. if, if it doesn't help bringing people to know Jesus. We should yield if it helps take us into, or anybody else, fall into temptation, right? But you know what else? We get to yield every Sunday when we gather together and we have communion together, right? Oftentimes, I think we give Paul credit for this, this living this whole Christian life thing. But Paul and all the other apostles, all they were doing is they were merely putting into practice the stuff that Jesus had taught them all those years. And I want to remind you of some words that Jesus told his disciples. He said, you will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends. And they will put some of you, some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. Isn't that encouraging? Anybody want to sign up for Jesus right now? We'll do an altar call right now. But Jesus said this, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus, blessed. <laughs> Man, it sure doesn't feel like that sometimes, does it? But what do we do when people treat us like that? What do we do when, when people dog us out? What do we do when people don't agree with us? Man, we want to get right in their face, at least I do. I want to put them in their place. I want everybody to know they were wrong and that I was right, right? It's not what Jesus tells us to do, though. He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Jesus himself said that. Now Paul is, is trying to teach these brand new Christians exactly this. And this is something that's hard to teach, let alone hard to do, right? Are you supposed to just let everybody walk all over you? Are you supposed to let everybody treat you like a punching bag? Do I get to say whatever I want to say to get back at them? And this is the exact kind of thing that Paul's dealing with here, right? So what I want to do is I want to start with the big idea and kind of work our way backwards. Our big idea is real simple. I will do everything for God's glory and the good of others. Paul gives us some really wise advice here. He's basically repeating what Jesus had said earlier. He said, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. So based on what Jesus taught us here, this is how we put it into practical terms. This is how we put it in our day-to-day -day life. This is how we can walk out of this church right now and start it from day one. Are you working for the good of others or are you working for the good of your own? Okay, so maybe people don't understand that the Reese's peanut, cup, peanut butter cup blizzards need to be in their own food group. It's not a big idea, not a big deal, right? Or maybe those weirdos who drink that liquid dirt. <laughs> not about you, don't quit being so offended. See, you don't get to just say whatever it is you want to say just because you feel like it or because that's my personality, right? Your wife, your kids, your coworkers, your friends, your family, they shouldn't have to deal with it. You should seek first the good of others and then your own good, right? Seriously, one of the polls, I don't know if you guys heard this recently, one of the polls said that 81% of all Americans believe that we get offended way too, way too easily. So walk with me for a minute on this. If I were not created in the very image of God, and I was simply a result of, of evolution, then what I do and how I define myself is not very important to me, right? 
I don't have a greater meaning or a greater purpose. So the one that I decide on for me is all I have to live with. It's all, it's all I got, right? But if I say that I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the very authority of God's word found in the Bible, or I only take portions out that I believe in, or I take half of this sentence and half of this sentence, or I say I believe in the Old Testament, not the New Testament, or I believe in these commandments and not these commandments. That's all the truth we got to stand on. Or maybe I'm even taking truth and I'm changing it to define what I want it to be. That's what we're deciding to stand on? I mean, I can understand how the world gets so easily offended. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that I can understand it. But as a Christian, we are getting offended way too easily. But why are we blatantly being offensive back? See, we have the right to meet together every Sunday or any day of the week. We got the right to sing. We got the right to define marriage. We got the, a ton of rights. However, Jesus had all the power and all the authority in all the universe. And what did he do with it? He yielded his rights to be obedient to even death on a cross, which was a criminal's death. And Paul was saying, hey, man, this is a sign of, of, of being a mature Christian here. That are, we are being more like Jesus when we balance our freedoms and our responsibilities. Otherwise, if, if we don't exercise freedom, it's just anarchy, right? I'm going to do whatever it is I want to do. And he gives a, a real specific example. Let's say someone invites you over for dinner and they want to grill some T-bone steaks. Got that, Mike? That's, that's a hint, buddy. Now, back then, if people had meat, where did that meat come from? It came from the markets. It came from the temples, right? And they used these, this meat in these pagan worship ceremonies. Paul says, just eat the meat, man. Because there are no other gods. That meat is not evil. It's just meat. However, if your host or somebody else there, or maybe even another Christian, points out that that meat has been sacrificed to idols, then what? guess what? That's your cue to say thanks, but no thanks. It's obviously an issue to that other person, right? And that's why they brought it up in the first place. But why? Both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of the conscience. Maybe it's a struggle for them. Maybe they're testing you to see whether you're going to worship God or you're going to worship this pagan God. Or maybe they're just a Christian that isn't mature as you are and they struggle with this. See, it's not that it's bad to want to eat meat. 1 Corinthians says, I am referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another person's conscience? See, my freedom is not hindered on what you believe is right or wrong. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? First, I looked at Scripture. If Scripture says, the Bible says no, it's a no for me, right? But if it isn't a sin in the Scripture, then it's permissible, if... It doesn't cause harm to anybody else or myself, and it doesn't cause anybody to fall into temptation. And I, and I get it. That can be confusing. I mean, can I eat the meat or not, right? And sometimes Paul would eat meat when he was with the Gentiles, and sometimes when he was with the Jews, he only ate kosher food. And people would look at this and say, he's inconsistent, and he's not inconsistent. He being, he's being consistent with the very principles that he's spelling out here. Paul was always pointing to Jesus and he was always doing it for the benefit of God and the benefit of others, not for the good of his own. It's kind of like a GPS. If you come to my house and you put a program my address into your GPS and you're coming from the south, it's going to give you one set of directions. If you're coming from the north, it's going to give you another set of directions, right? 
Why? Because it's looking for the best route to that final destination. But it all points to the final destination, right? Because you're all coming from a different place. Jesus told his disciples, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and truth will do what? Truth will set you free. Freedom comes from knowledge. The more we understand about the other person, the more we can help that other person, the more we can point them in the right direction. But see, if you're only thinking about yourself, if you're not thinking about others, if you're not putting God first in your life, then your GPS is going to be jacked up and it's going to be messed up. It's going to be off. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. That's the end result, right? That's what we want. We want others to come to Christ. We want them to have a relationship with him. That's why we do the things we do, but that's also why we put ourselves aside. That's why we keep, keep our eyes focused on God. That's why we turn off every, every thought captive. See, make no mistake about it. Jesus hung out with people that drank, but he never got drunk. Jesus hung out with women who were sexually out of control, but he never had sex with them. Jesus held a job, but he never, he never cheated anybody or ripped anybody off. See, Jesus, who is, who is God, fully involved himself in culture. He celebrated holidays. He ate the food. He drank the wine. He hung out. He went to parties. He had friends. He loved people, but he never sinned. And he didn't lie, and he wasn't a coward, and he wasn't compromised. And as a result, most people hated him. Not because he was offensive, but because he was loving and he was full of grace. You want to know how to act? Seek the glory of God. What is that? When the Bible talks in the New Testament about the glory of God, it connects the person of Jesus directly with the glory of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So Paul says here, man, if you want to be a good missionary, if you really care about your community, if you really care about your family, you really care about your friends, you really care about people getting saved, you really care about your city, and you want to see lives change, if you find yourselves in friendships and working relationships with people that disagree with you, you know that their sexuality and their spirituality and everything they do is different from yours, their life is different from yours, and it doesn't point to Jesus, and it doesn't point to the Bible, it's totally different. And you find yourself in this continual scenarios where you've got to ask yourself, should I or should I not do this? Should I or should I not go to this place? Should I or should I not participate in this? And the one question that you have to keep asking is, will this or will this not bring glory to God? Will this glorify him? And if you don't know what the answer is, then look to Jesus. Should I have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend? No, Jesus was a virgin until the day he died. See, you can go to that bachelor party and you can have a great time and you can show everybody there that you can do this without getting drunk. But when they get ready to go to the strip club, you gotta be out. I cannot point towards Jesus by participating in stuff like this. And you can hang out with your friends and you can play video games and you can play games all night long and you can listen to non-Christian music and you can eat junk food, but when the weed comes out, it's time to go. If you're under 21 and the alcohol comes out, it's time to go because you don't want to be caught there anyway. 
Or maybe you go out dancing with your friends and you're mindful of what you wear because you're married and you're not going with your spouse. And you have a great time, but you stop at one drink, right? Or you stop at dancing with your friends and not dancing with somebody you've never met before. Or maybe you just convince them to go putt-putt golfing. See, your goal is not to change them. Your goal is to point them towards Jesus. To be faithful to Jesus. That's our goal. And you cannot be faithful to Jesus if you're doing something you know doggone well you wouldn't do. And having sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you want them to know Jesus is not glorifying God, that's glorifying you. Getting drunk or getting wasted with your friends, that is not glorifying God, that's glorifying you. Talking gossip about people is not glorifying God. Talking about those hot chicks or the hot guys you saw last night is not glorifying God. And if people around you don't stop or they don't agree, you still need to have that freedom to be able to not participate without being offensive. Don't start tearing them down. Don't start calling them names. Of course, you don't agree with them. But don't do what they're doing to you. See, in a couple of his other letters, Paul gives us some great advice here. He said, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In Romans, he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are called to live in peace, not instigate war. For all the conversations that we have in person, for the emails, for all this junk that goes online, Facebook, social media, we are called to do what? De-escalate, not escalate. See, Jesus lived among sinners, but he wasn't rude and he wasn't mean and he always tried to lift them up instead of tearing them down. It's kind of like a mirror, right? The purpose of the mirror is to do what? To give a reflection. Are you living like the mirror or are you living like the reflection? Because you know that whatever the mirror is pointing at is what the reflection will be. Are you pointing at you or are you pointing at Jesus? See, people don't need your glory. People don't need your rules. They need God's glories and they need God's rules. What are you pointing people towards? Parents, what are you pointing your kids towards? Men, what are you pointing your families and your friends towards? Students, what are you pointing people towards? Parents, be careful about making up a whole bunch of rules for every situation. See, a lot of times we give up the very glory of God. We give that up. That's a decision that we make. It's not something that somebody else does. We make that decision. When we defend ourselves, when we defend our ego, when we defend our political party, when we defend our beliefs, when we defend our, our talents, we give up the very glory of God to pursue personal success and the achievement at other people's expenses. We can give up the glory of God by busyness. We can give up the glory of God by putting our kids above everything. We can give up the glory of God to be popular or to defend our own personality or to defend ourselves being obnoxious or rude. We set down the glory of God or turn the mirror to reflect me. God's glory is for the good of others. Instead of always asking what the right thing to do, we need to ask, am I pursuing God with everything I've got? And if the answer is no, then you need to change that. 
If you and the Father are truly one, are you bearing the fruits that he would want you to bear for the good of others? See, I don't think that Jesus had to stop every time he had to make a decision and say, God, what do I need to do here? Yes, there's times we see him go to the Lord in prayer, and yes, there's times that we see him spend regular time with God in prayer. But man, I'm telling you, as sure as I'm standing here, that time that he prayed in the garden, he was not asking God what to do. It was admitting that it was difficult. It was admitting that he's having a hard time with it. And I've had those same conversations with God. I do not want to be nice to this person. I want to rip their guts out. I want to put them back in their place. When I get in an argument with my wife, I want to win that argument. But we are not called to do that. And Jesus is struggling here. And he didn't have to ask God what to do. He knew what to do. He just didn't want to do it. But he said, let not my will be done, but let yours be done. Are we doing that? He asked, is there any other way? Is there any other way to do this? But he was willing to be obedient. Are you? See, he didn't have to ask what to do. He had to resolve to do it. Maybe instead of trying to draw a line to see how close I can get without offending somebody or see how close I can get without sinning, I need to erase that line and just turn around and run to Jesus. Maybe if we start doing things for God's glory and we put God first ahead of ourselves and ahead of others. And this brings us back to the big idea, and I hope it makes more sense now. I will do everything for God's glory and the good of others. Here's something we don't hear. Man, you know them Christians? They never get offended no matter what we throw at them. That is something. But you know what they get angry about? Kids not eating at night. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? It's the way it should be. Because then maybe they'd say, you know what, maybe we should join with them. We fail. I, I'm, a, I'm part of we. Don't think I'm standing here and saying I don't, because I do. Paul said that he was the chief sinner, and I think that was because I wasn't born yet. shouldn't be this way. Instead of crying out for our offenses, whether they're real or not, what if we change things up? What if we made more noise about the offenses of others instead of the offenses of ourselves? What if we took Jesus' whole idea of turning the other cheek and we got serious about that? I got a better idea. What if we took it to the extreme? Because I'll tell you, I'm standing right here and I'm telling you, I'm okay with being overlooked. But don't you dare overlook racism. Don't you dare overlook those millions of babies that are being killed innocently. And don't you dare overlook the violence in the world. Father God, we love you so much and you are doing so much in this world and in this community and you're doing so much in this church and I thank you for that. Well, Father God, we fail. Myself, I'm part of we, you know that. Forgive us. There's things we don't want to do, but we know they need to be done. Give us the courage. Give us the strength. Give us the resolve to do them. Help us to glorify you. We don't want to be a church that says we want to run down river to you. We want to be the church that does it. So I ask you to give us the resolve to do that. 
Give us the guts to put ourselves aside and point their reflection of you towards other people. Lord, we're all hurting and we're all a mess, myself included, and I ask you to allow your Holy Spirit to fill this building like it never has before. Let there be change in our hearts. Let there be change in our actions. Not just on Sundays, but every single day of the week. In Jesus' name, amen.